So we start this week's AEW Dynamite review with a text from you, Ralph. You texted me this morning, Thursday morning, about last night, saying, best AEW Dynamite ever. Are you still holding up to that text? Did you really think this was the best Dynamite ever? The best one in recent memory. Honestly, at least by by what I like and what by, by what I enjoy. I, I thought it was a really good episode. I liked the pace yep. of it. I liked uh, the importance of the way that they made people feel. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of non-silly nonsense. And uh, I, I thought every match pretty much delivered. And I thought it was a really good episode. Yeah, I, I really did too. And let's break it down. Let's start it off with the first match here. It's the hair versus hair match. Jericho versus Ortiz as setting up for the blood and guts match later on in the month. And I thought this was a really good match. I love the sense of urgency from the beginning with Ortiz, you know, taking off his vest, going straight to Jericho. I, I thought Jericho looked really, really good in this match as well. We got the end of this match though, where it looked like Fuego del Sol joined the Jericho appreciation society, screwing Ortiz in the match. But after they take the mask off, it ends up being Sammy Guevara, Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. And yes, it seems like Jericho and Sammy Guevara and Hager have reunited once again, which I think is a great tie into everything with, you know, the inner circle. So I, I like this little bit of uh, unexpected turn here with Sammy Guevara joining the Jericho Appreciation Society. Yeah. And you know what? The, the match itself, I thought was good. I thought this was one of the better worked matches by Jericho again in, re in recent memory, at least. Mm -hmm. Um you know, he was definitely able to hold his own. There was a lot of good near falls. Uh, definitely a, a point where I thought, I legitimately thought we were going to get Jericho, uh, Jericho's head shaved. And especially because, you know, usually, at least, you know, from what I can remember growing up, they typically do this when it's it's a heel. Like, you want to see the heel get his head shaved. Right. Um, especially somebody like Jericho. So, um, once Fuego came out, I kind of checked out. But again, they reeled me back in once it, it ended up being... Uh, Sammy Guevara. So that that's like this match kind of took you on a roller coaster with the near falls. Um, kind of hit a low point for me when I saw that it was Fuego because I was kind of like, oh well, come on, like what are they gonna do with him? He's not that interesting of a guy. Like there's nothing to this. Then when they revealed it was Sammy, he got an autom automatic heat because he mm -hmm. right now he's gonna get heat anyway. Um, so I thought that was good. Uh, the one thing that I thought was actually gonna happen was. I thought Ortiz and Kingston were going to grab one of the members of the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society, bring him in the ring, and shave his head. Um, yeah. That ultimately didn't end up happening, but um, I, I thought the match itself was good, and I thought it was a really good, fun opener that the crowd was really into to start off the night. Yeah. I, I knew it definitely wasn't Fuego, but for some reason, I was looking at the body type, and I'm like, is this Brandon Cutler? And I don't know why, but I was just connecting with Cutler for some reason. And then it came out as Sammy. I'm like, oh, this makes a lot more sense yeah. than Brandon Cutler. But I, I love that little added, you know, value to the story as well. But we head up to the next segment. It is a match. Wardlow against 20 security guards in this class action lawsuit match. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how someone gets eliminated. It looked like originally, if you just got knocked down from the apron, you were eliminated. But I think. Uh, Dasha Gonzalez, I forget what her name is now. Um, I know that was her name in WWE, I think, but she was starting to go off numbers one, two, three, four, and five have been eliminated, even though they weren't pinned. And then eventually it came out that they had to be pinned to be eliminated. But then they were trying to stack everybody Roman style. And 
He was putting people on their stomachs, some on their backs, whatever. It was fun. The crowd was into it. I didn't mind it. It was a lot of fun. You know, it just goes to show you anybody that still has a question on the booking of Wardlow and like, oh, he should be doing better. He's still getting big pops. Is this going to be a forever thing? No, I don't think so. But for the time being, once you get past Forbidden Door, do this stuff now just to keep the fans interested in him. Keep him on every week, just demolishing people. So this is going to be a rarity on this show. Maybe a first time ever with this show. Go Last ahead. week, I was obviously on here saying that I wasn't into this. This is stupid. They should be doing more with Wardlow. And I, I still kind of feel that way. I still feel like he should be beyond what he's doing right now. Mm-hmm. But I was actually wrong on this segment. This was told a good ya. segment. I this told did you exactly. Be. This did exactly what it was supposed to be. A lot of times when you get that many people involved, especially in a situation where it's like one versus 20, where normally anywhere outside of like a, a DC Marvel or, or maybe even AEW ring or wrestling ring, we know those odds aren't going to turn out well for the one guy, no matter how big or bad they are. Uh, mm-hmm. th- they made it seem believable. And they, the way that it was all kind of mapped out, the way, the fact that they had the people come in like four at a time, three at a time, uh, it worked. It wasn't like there was all 20 people. I think maybe at one point they were all on top of him, but uh, they didn't do it in a way where the crowd checked out. The crowd was, crowd was actually re- really invested in this. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Dan Lerbert get on the mic. You had Matt Hughes, who, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, he was in an unfortunate accident where I believe he was hit by a train in his truck, which uh, which was why he actually was kind of walking the way he was walking. Because for yeah. anybody who doesn't know, he's he's one of the best UFC fighters of all time. Tyron Woodley's just, you know, the guy that got most recently got knocked out by Jake Paul. So I was like, when I saw that, I was kind of like, all right, like these two guys are going to go beat up Wardlow right now. They got past that part of the segment, and then we got Smart Mark get powerbombed, which the crowd popped loud for. So, yeah, um, I admit it. I was wrong. You won't get many people in the IWC that admit when they're wrong, so I'll eat my <laughs> humble pie, at least for today, until we get to Orange Cassidy, because that guy sucks. But for this, <laughs> for what it's worth, this was good. Yes, it, it. I thought it was very entertaining. I am not familiar with mixed martial arts like you are. So seeing Matt Hughes out there, I'm like, are they really going to put this guy through a power bomb or something? Look, look like walking the way he is. I just thought he was just a guy that has been in the, the octagon way too many times. It just is affecting from his. No, no it, it's a, he was hit you know, by as a you said, he was so, you know, thank God he survived that. Cause that is yeah. not something most people survive, but you know, I'm glad they went the different route then going with smart Mark Sterling. I don't know where this goes from here though. Obviously I think it leads to Scorpio, but is this the end of smart Mark or does smart Mark have someone else in line before it gets to Scorpio? I don't know, but you know, time will tell with that. But speaking of orange Cassidy, Ralph, our next segment was, I think easily hands down the match of the night, Dax Harwood versus Will Ospreay. Now, for those that missed my Dominion review earlier in the week, check that out. I'll put the description or the link in the description. But Will Ospreay has a very similar reputation to Ricochet, where he's a guy that just does spots. He's a guy that has no psychology. He's a circus soleil guy. He's just he does things for pops. You watch that match with Darks uh, Dax Harwood. And I think anybody that has that thought of Will Ospreay ate their humble pie. 
That match was awesome. Hard hitting, very psychological, very strategic. I mean, everything had a purpose in that match. I absolutely loved this match. I mean, Will Ospreay looked like a million bucks as he should have been. Those that are wondering, where's the IWGP US title? Again, if you don't follow New Japan, it was recently vacated by Juice Robinson, who refused to go to the show because he had appendicitis and felt he was being forced into the triple threat match with Osprey and Sonata. So then he had to vacate the title. Osprey won the match, but is yet to give the title back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. I thought this would eventually lead to Juice and Will at Forbidden Door, but instead we had the aftermath. So the United Empire come in, beat down on Dax. Cash comes in for the save. Rapongi Vice come in for the save. But who gets the biggest pop? None other than your boy, Ralph. Orange freaking Cassidy. As soon as the music hits, everybody in St. Louis up on their feet going nuts for Orange Cassidy and the, the face-to-face with Will Ospreay. And I'm like, oh no. They're not doing United Empire versus th- these five. And that's the Forbidden Door match. Wow. No. <laughs> Instead, we get the IWGP US title match of Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy. Ralph, your thoughts. <laughs> so I'm not going to crap all over this. I'm, I'm going to start backwards. And I'm going to work my way back into the match. Now, Orange Cassidy, I'm sure anybody who's followed this show for long enough knows my thoughts on him. I always said, and you could back me up on this, I always said he was a good wrestler. I never said he couldn't work. I never said he wasn't, um, you know, good in the ring. I just, his his uh, his gimmick isn't for me. It's for a very, I think, select subset of maybe even, we'll say the majority of the AEW fan base is going to get into that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just don't buy him as a legitimate, like, world champion or major draw like some people try to push him to be. Uh, that being said, I'm sure the match between Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy will be very much like the match he had with Pac. Um, I'm sure it's going to have its moments. I'm sure it will be enjoyable. I'm sure it's going to divide the wrestling community. Um, and I can tell you one thing for certain, one person who didn't pop, you're saying, you know, he got the biggest pop, at least in the arena, was me who automatically was looking for the remote, fishing for the remote <laughs> in my covers, trying no. to change the channel. Trying no. to change the channel. No, Come it wasn't. On. It wasn't. It wasn't to that point. But I certainly, uh, I didn't uh, think twice to uh, do much more than raise my eyebrows when he came out. So I, um, I was worried. I was worried that this was going to be a ten man match. This so was, was setting I, up the ten man match. Yeah. But I think they're setting up. Thank God. You know, we have the official match with the U.S. title, and I do think we're eventually going to have a, a three way tag match for both the Ring of Honor and IWGP tag team titles with Rapongi Vice, um, uh, FTR, and the United Empire's Jeff Cobb and Great O'Conn. That's where I think it's going to go, and I think that's where it should go. Maybe it ends up being four-on-four with FTR and Rapongi Vice versus the remaining members of United Empire that are there, which would be Cobb, O'Conn, and Aussie Open, but I I really hope it's the three-way. Yeah, I really hope it's the, the three-way. I think that would be a better match, but... Speaking of matches added to Forbidden Door, our next segment... Oh, wait, wait a minute. I didn't even get to talk about the match. Talk about the match. Go ahead. Talk about the match. Because this is a very important point I was going to make because as you pointed out, Dax and, and uh, Osprey here, this is exactly what needed to happen leading into Forbidden Door because it shows you what the best of the best in New Japan Pro Wrestling have to offer for... Um, you know, for, for those of you, for those of the fans that have never been exposed to Will Ospreay, have never gone out and watched New Japan Pro Wrestling, 
or mm-hmm. been exposed to like some of the top tier wrestling that you will or can get with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that's step number one. This was great for selling the pay-per-view and getting people at least interested in somebody like Will Ospreay. Uh, Dax Harwood is a guy this past year. Everybody knew of Dax, Dax and Cash FTR. Amazing tag team. Most yep. people consider them, if not the best, one of the best tag teams in the world. Yes. Dax Harwood has consistently been maybe the be- one of the one of the we'll say one of the best singles wrestlers consistently every time he has a singles match in AEW. Every mm-hmm. time that guy has a singles match, it's good. It delivers. Yeah. And it yeah. makes you think. You know, Dax and Cash I always thought Cash would be the guy to come out of that tag team to be the guy maybe if they ever tried to do a single thing. But maybe it's Dax. And maybe Dax is going to be one of those guys like that comes out of nowhere. You know, JBL and the Acolytes or the APA. Nobody really saw that coming. Uh, Bubba mm-hmm. Ray Dudley from the Dudley Boys. Having got that, that singles run as Bully Ray. even Maybe even to a certain extent. Now, I'm not saying he'd ever get to this level. But you think about Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty as the Rockers. I don't know if anybody yeah. thought he was capable of being the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, Mr. WrestleMania, all that type of stuff. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens with him. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of guys that are really having a really good year in terms of singles competition. He's one of them for anybody that does follow WWE. I think Seth Rollins certainly is silencing a lot of critics who have been critical of him. Uh, yep. Interesting enough, as we talk about uh, Will Ospreay, um, just with his matches with Cody and then most recently on Raw with AJ. So um, but now, this match was great. It, it absolutely was. And if anybody has any questions on Will Ospreay, just look up his matches within the last three years. Like I said, matches with Kota Ibushi, Shingo Takagi, this match, his match with Sonata this past Sunday. The guy just puts on great match after great match after great match. And Dax Harwood, I'll agree with you, is starting to become like the Shawn Michaels of FTR if they ever decide to break them up. But I really get that vibe of Arn Anderson out of him. He really is that Arn Anderson type of wrestler as a singles wrestler that could also work as a tag team wrestler. So it's great stuff. Really good. Uh, But as I was trying to segue into the next segment, we do have another match that is announced for Forbidden Door in our next segment, which unfortunately I think was the low point of this episode. It really was because we have a face-to-face with John Moxley and Hiroshi Tanahashi. And I think this did not put Hiroshi Tanahashi in the best place because one, it's a talking segment where you have two guys with obviously that speak natively different languages. So with this being in America, Tanahashi trying to speak English as not his first language is always an uphill battle with any foreign wrestlers. So that's tough. Then Jericho comes out with the Jericho Appreciate Society again, saying that he should be in the match not Moxley, because he really is the forbidden door. It was him beating Hiroshi Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom a while back, even though he said he main evented Wrestle Kingdom. He didn't. He wasn't even the... I I don't even know if he was the second-to-last match on that card, but nonetheless, eventually we get Lance Archer and El Desperado of Suzuki Goon helping Jericho Appreciation Society with the beatdown, and Jericho announced a six-man tag at Forbidden Door. So Jericho will team with Minoru Suzuki and Sammy Guevara against uh, for the uh, Wheeler Yuta of the Blackpool Combat Club, 
Eddie Kingston and John Moxley's young lion, Shota Uminu, who is Red Shoe's son, as Jericho mentioned. That's the, the Earl Hebner of New Japan Pro Wrestling, like the go-to ref in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He does all the high-profile matches. He refereed all four of the big Gokata versus Omega matches. He, you know, referees all the main events in Wrestle Kingdom, all the main events of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Very good referee. So, you know, so all tying into, again, blood and guts. But I think this was overbooking in Tony Khan's part. And I think this was really the only downside to the show. I didn't hate it only because I knew the history between Tanahashi and Jericho. Yeah. So I, I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was necessary. I definitely thought that like Jericho's explanation of the match was long-winded and for, mm-hmm. for some people that honestly aren't going to know who some of those New Japan pro wrestlers are. Right. Um, I, I thought that was convoluted. I thought Moxley's initial promo that he started to cut about him chasing Tanahashi everywhere and that it's always been about them because it's pretty true. I mean, he's been calling call out for quite some time now. Right. Uh, I, I thought that was good. And I was brought in. And then when Jericho came out, I was like, okay, well, I kind of think I know where this is going. And it just went too far, took too long. And then mm-hmm. we still got Jericho and Tanahashi kind of face to face, but like being respectful to each other. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, and, um, and the only thing that we got out of Tanahashi out of all of this was him saying to Jericho, shut up. He got beat down. Yeah, and then there was a, then there was another face to face with him and Moxley as like the closing scene of this segment. I think the better way to use Tanahashi is just like Will Osprey, just showcase him in matches and show why people call him the ace, or even do a video package that explain yep. why he's the ace of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I, you know, we saw a little bit of that with so, you know some other guys, and Kevin Kelly was being a part of that as well. They need to do more of that next week and on this upcoming Rampage and the Rampage after next week before, you know, Forbidden Door, which is 10 days away. So I I think, especially because this is the main event, this has to feel like the main event, not second fiddle to Jericho. Yeah, no, I I, I agree 100%. And uh, I know there's going to be people that are upset that Jericho was even involved in this Mm -hmm. segment. Um, You know, because he tends to get himself involved in a lot of... uh, more prominent storylines or storylines that people think he shouldn't be involved in. I actually, I think he should be kind of in the storyline one way or another because everything Jericho did say was true, but he's just been kind of doing more of the comedic relief stuff for a long time. Yeah. It's not like he's been the pain maker or the, the guy that he was when he first came into AEW. So, right. He wasn't, he's not late champion. He's not the pain maker. So, but let's move on to the next segment, which was Miro versus Ethan Page. Winner gets into the Fatal 4-Way for the All-Atlantic Championship. You know, I think everyone knew that Miro was going to win. I, I think this was a little bit more contested than it that I thought it was going to be, which is fine because Ethan Page is a hell of a wrestler and really should be a guy that should contest with Miro. It's not like a guy that, you know you know, is, is win, only winning on dark and shows up on dynamite. Like he's an actual no, good wrestler. Like orange Has, Cassidy. No, not like orange Cassidy wins on but, dark and shows up on dynamite. But he's, he's also won matches on dynamite. When 2021, he beat Adam Cole in, a, in the non-sanctioned match two months uh, ago. Nope. Not in the he record was in books. The, not he was in the, in the rankings. The TN, 
He was in the face of the Revolution ladder match. He had when to win that? a match to get into that. That was February. Too long. Ago. And then he got hurt. Too long. He got hurt. <laughs> He hasn't been in matches because he got hurt in that ladder match. Pads his stats when he wrestles on YouTube. <laughs> That's with a lot of people on, on AEW, though. That's not just him. Don't get me started. We could do a whole video on that. I know. I know. I know. But let's focus back on Miro and Ethan Page. Still a good match, nonetheless. The right guy won. I think Ethan Page getting a little bit of offense in is not going to hurt Miro. Uh, but the right guy won. And the right way to do it with his submission move game over. I don't know who ends up winning this fatal four way though. Cause you got pack in it, Merrow in it, the winner of Penta and uh, um, Malachi black next week. And then you have whoever's going to represent new Japan pro wrestling, which they tried to explain, but Excalibur just does not know how to slow the hell down to explain things. He goes at a hundred miles an hour just because I don't know if he feels like he has to hit a, a post or, you know, a certain certain mark. But man, slow the hell down. Even Tony Schiavone was like, I think I got some of that. And like, but again, it's Tomohiro Ishii and Ken Amaro, uh, Clark's Connor. I, I forget who the fourth person is involved in the, in their bracket. The winner of those two matches will face off. And then the winner of that match goes into the fatal four, which I think all roads lead to Tomohiro Ishii being in there. So four guys that could kick the shit out of each other. I'm down for it. Sounds good to me. I mean, this was a, uh, as far as the match itself, the match was good. Uh, I, I think Ethan Page is one of those guys that's really underutilized in AEW. I agree. Um, yes. And I don't know, just hopefully in the future they do something with him. Uh, Miro, I, I thought, I figured he was going to end up going over. So match itself was fine. That mm -hmm. was good. Yep. Now the next match, Tony Storm and Britt Baker. The only loss Tony Storm has in AEW right now is against Britt Baker in the Owen Hart tournament. And she avenges that loss on this week's episode of AEW Dynamite. And I, I actually like this match a lot. I love how Thunder Rosa came in to help Tony Storm. You know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine kind of thing from last week where Tony Storm saved Thunder Rosa uh, from the attack from Marina Shafir. Thunder Rosa chases out Jamie Hayter. So basically Britt Baker is out there with just Rebel who... You're basically out there by yourself if you're out there with Rebels. So, uh, you know, very good match. Tony Storm ends up winning with uh, Storm Zero. And a big win there that I think she needs. And we know that at Forbidden Door, there will be women on the card, despite New Japan Pro Wrestling having no women on their roster. So it will be Tony Storm and Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's Championship. Should be a good match. Right person won. Again, avenging the only loss. So good on Tony Storm there. Uh, agree with everything you said. Britt Baker needs to get more credit for the spot where she acted like she was hurt. I thought she was mm -hmm. legitimately hurt. And, yeah. uh, that was a good spot. Um, I actually, <laughs> the other scary spot too, was uh, at the end of the match, that spike pile driver looked uh, yeah. pretty legit. So, um, yeah, I mean, good match. I, yeah. I think the last couple of times I've seen Tony storm do that storm zero, it's, it's looked pretty scary both times. I think, but that's, I don't know if it's, is that truly the Storm Zero? Is that not? That's not the way she used to do it in WWE, I don't think. No, no. This is so, like a spike pile driver. She used to do like, uh, almost like a Ahmed Johnson Pearl River Plunge. Wasn't that the same thing? Kind of, yeah. And I don't know if they changed it in WWE because they don't allow pile drivers. Yeah. So she might have had to alter it for WWE, but now in AEW, because she's allowed to do a spike pile driver there, 
she does it this way and it oh, looks scary the last couple times. So if I've just opened the forbidden door then, because now we're going to get everybody who's going to say, oh, you didn't follow her her matches on the independent scene. If you knew what the, the Storm Zero was when she was wrestling in uh, FFW2, uh, you would have known that that's how the move is done. <laughs> or stardom. Sorry. Yeah. shame. Yep. There's only so many hours in the day to watch all this wrestling. But next up, I think, I think honestly, I've talked about this in the past when it comes to good storytelling, Matt, uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. I've seen this video a few times about, but, and therefore as different plot points to good storytelling, you don't want this happened and then this happened and then this happened. That's very boring. You want this happened, but then this happened. Therefore that happened. So what I mean by that is last week, Adam hangman page issued a challenge to Okada, but Adam Cole said Okada might not be the champion by forbidden for forbidden door. Therefore we are under the impression that this match may not happen, but Jay white beats Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP world heavyweight championship. Therefore hangman page says, Nope, I, I want Okada, but Adam Cole comes out. He says, then if you don't want him, I want the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. But Jay White attacks Hangman Page. Therefore, Jay White says, nope, Hangman, you're not going for it. But Adam Cole, you're not going for it. I have someone in mind. Therefore, who is it going to be? I'm just trying to still... So who killed Kenny in all of that? <laughs> I think Jay White. Jay White did sense. it with the that makes yeah. Sense. Jay White Jay White did it with the knife in the hall. Okay. <laughs> um. Who challenge? Listen, I probably had the same thought that a lot of people have right now. Mm -hmm. It certainly makes you hope and think that it is going to be Kenny Omega. There's certainly history there. I don't know if he's healthy. I don't know his health. I the last thing I knew, Dave Meltzer reported. I honestly think this was two weeks ago that he was nowhere close. Right. Um, you know, it wouldn't. Is I wouldn't mind if Dave was wrong about this because you know he's got a spotty track record here and there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, other than that, I don't know what other big name you could throw out there unless Punk miraculously comes back or something like that. I don't but if know. it's Punk, if it's Punk, then why do this whole you know charade with the whole interim championship? That's what I'm saying. I I, I don't. Those, honestly, if if. The, off the top of my head, I, I would hope it's Omega. Uh, with what happened last night, I just hope they haven't set themselves up for disappointment. If it's if it's not him or if it's not a big name. It's going to be I'm, Keith Lee. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, it's not going to be Keith Lee, but I w I'm with you on that. And even when this might be just me overlooking and overanalyzing, but... When you look at the Titan Tron, when Jay White's music hit, the first graphic that comes up for him and all the accolades that he has in New Japan was he was the second IWGP United States champion. Who did he beat for that title? None other than Kenny Omega. Was that just done that way just because that's how they did the order? Or was that purposely made so that you kind of subliminally saw that for those that follow New Japan Pro Wrestling? For those that don't follow New Japan Pro Wrestling, the story behind Kenny and Jay White is Kenny actually asked 
Jay White to join Bullet Club. And Jay White said no, attacked Kenny Omega. He joined Chaos, which is Kazuchika Okada's faction. Fast forward a year later, Kenny Omega's gone. Therefore, yeah, therefore, Jay White, after Kenny Omega left, attacked Kazuchika Okada, joins Bullet Club, and the rest is history. And because, you know, Jay White has the history with Okada, there's the common ground with Okada as well. So, plus, you also have the common ground with Kenny Omega and Adam Cole, where if Kenny jumps Adam Cole, this is the catalyst for Undisputed Elite versus uh, the Elite of Omega and the Bucks. You know, there's a lot of people who are critical of the way Adam Cole's been booked in AEW, and they certainly made him seem uh, really unimportant last night. Unimportant? Is that how you say it? They didn't make him feel significant. Yeah. They made him look like a piece of poo. You really think so? Not, I mean, not in a bad way. Not, I'm like, not saying, oh, well, they buried him. I'm saying, like, it was pretty clear, like, Switchblade uh, is, like, here in terms Mm -hmm. of, like, I'm the final boss and you're, like, like, yeah. You're, like, not, you're, like, a smoke level in, like, Mortal Kombat or something. Like you're, you know, when you go go up and there's like Goro and like yeah, yeah, Taro and like Shao Kahn, you're like yeah, I don't know, you're fighting somebody in some weird forest with some <laughs> obscure name, Cyrax. <laughs> That's right. Adam Cole floundering around with his man bun. <laughs> All right, let's head on to the main event here. Ladder match for the tag team championship supposed to be a three-way uh, ladder match, but unfortunately, the news of Jeff Hardy getting a DUI for the third time. We're going to talk about that on our next episode where we do our news roundup. So it ends up being one, uh, you know, tag team versus tag team, Jurassic Express and the Young Bucks. Just like I said with the Osprey and Dax match, this was hard hitting. I yeah. thought it was very psychological. I thought it was very strategic. Were there times where it was choreographed? Yes. But even then, all the moves felt like there was a a reason to do it. Not just, oh, let's do this move and let's do this move and let's do this move. Like, it flowed. The flow was there. The pace was there. Bucks end up winning this match after super kicking or BTE triggering um, uh, Jungle Boy, throwing Luchasaurus off the ladder through a bunch of tables. So they're the first AEW two-time tag team champions. Afterwards, though, Christian, that damn son of a bitch, Christian, Concertos, that creepy little bastard, the creepy little bastard, Christian, hits Jungle Boy with a concerto in front of his sister and mother, damn it. Mm. Mm. Very good shit to close out the show. This is what AEW needs to close out the show. Like, holy shit, this happened. I can't wait to see how this goes next week. A cliffhanger moment. Exactly what I was going to say. You talk about it all the time, not just having these dream matches that are obviously meant for wrestling fans, like giving the fans something uh, to think about and lead Mm -hmm. you into next, draw you into next week. Even the thing like you see going around on Twitter and social media where he confronted them, right? He confronted his mother and sister and they were going back and forth. She was flipping him off. Uh, yeah. I thought I thought this was great. Um, I texted you right away. I said, "Concerto, creepy little bastard. This is great. Mm-hmm. We finally got the long-awaited uh, heel turn um, of Christian." And yeah, I'm I'm excited to see the guy who was going to outwork everybody finally do some work and get his hands dirty. And hopefully, he does a little more work in the very near future. Yeah, 
I totally agree. I think uh, it's obviously not going to be for Forbidden Door, but this is definitely going to be a program throughout the summer leading to a match at All Out. I, I hope at least it goes all the way to All Out. This is Jungle Boy's moment to shine. He's one of the four pillars. You know, we we see Sammy Guevara being more of a top heel, maybe not the top heel, because that's MJF. You know, so he's been, MJF is where he is. Sammy Guevara is starting to get there, but I think maybe not to the point where some would like him to be. And then Darby Allen had his moment, but he's kind of floundered a little bit. But this is Jungle Boy's moment. He's had a little bit here and there, but this is going to be his first true test on whether or not he really is one of those four pillars of AEW. I agree 100%. And this is a guy that can wrestle. This is a guy that can talk. This is a guy that can draw emotion out of him, hopefully, and get him to that next level. Um, this is pro- this is the most... Out of anything that they've done as a tag team, they've had some good matches. They've had some okay feuds. Like... This feud right here, I think, is probably the most compelling thing that I'm going to see. Hopefully, see Jungle Boy do. Um, not only that, because I, I've always been a big Christian fan. Felt like he was underutilized in the WWE, so I'm always excited to see see him in a in a meaningful feud as well. So uh, I hope it I hope it lives up to expectation. Yeah, I I agree. Let us know what you guys thought of this episode of AEW Dynamite in the description below, and if you want to see our review of or my review of dominion click the thumbnail on the screen right now and we'll see you on the next episode of the squared circle psychobabble